0: Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. My new book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, is now out on Amazon, Kindle, and paperback. I'm currently in production of the audiobook, so you'll be the first to know when that is out as well. Um, Links will be in the show notes, so check it out if you're interested. Interested. Book of Boba Fett, Episode 7. So, we've reached the end of Season 1 of Book of Boba Fett, so this episode will not only break down Episode 7, but it'll contain my overall thoughts on the season as a whole. First of all, let's talk about a recurring theme we've seen in the series so far cybernetics. We've already seen Fennec Shand healed with cybernetic enhancements, and also the mods repping their robotic implants. Now, at the end of this episode, we see Cobb Vanth, the sheriff, in a bacta tank healing up from laser bolt wounds with the mod shop worker nearby, prepping his cybernetic enhancements. Honestly, this series has done a big job for the transhumanist agenda in two ways. For one, they've made the characters with the enhancements look super cool and have great skills in combat. For two, they have shown that these characters have had next to no ill side effects or negative ramifications from these robotics. Think back to previous conversations we have had about transhumanism. In other Star Wars films and other sci-fi action films, transhumanism is viewed as cool, but also with a bit of caution thrown in. The story of Vader was a cautionary tale of becoming evil and also becoming less than human through his life support robotic system. All of this was caused by his poor decision making. But here, specifically with a character like Fennec Shand, we do not see any problems with her having her entire guts removed and replaced with machine parts. No awkward movements, no no software updates needed, no issue with it interacting with her brain or body whatsoever. In my mind, this is another step forward in showing both adults and kids how cool robotic attachments are and that there are no side effects whatsoever. Basically they are safe and effective, have you ever heard that phrase recently? On the flip side, we do see some cool symbolism in this episode that we have seen in Star Wars before, which I interpret as positive and about how things should be in our world. Throughout Star Wars, we have seen time and time again how technological creations have been defeated by organic materials or lesser technologically skilled equipment. The Death Star, which was called a technological terror by Darth Vader, was defeated by a ragtag group of rebels with rudimentary ships and a piecemeal assortment of freedom fighters from across the galaxy, with various levels of experience. In Return of the Jedi, the Empire's legion of forces were defeated by the Ewoks on the forest moon of Endor. They used trees, ropes, and other organic materials found in nature. The juxtaposition of the trees smashing the laser-blasting AT-ST machines was very in-your-face and deliberate by Lucas. And then again in The Phantom Menace, we saw the Gungans using rudimentary tools to fight against the Trade Federation droid army. And now here in the Boba Fett series, we see two instances of this type of symbolism. For one, we see Boba Fett riding the Rancor, which took out the technologically advanced Scorpion droids, in scenes reminiscent to any King Kong vs. Godzilla movie. And then we also saw Boba Fett defeating Cad Bane, the bounty hunter, by using the Tusken Raider Gaffy stick, which is made of wood. When Cad Bane himself was a skilled master with a laser blaster. Didn't mean to rhyme there, but we did. Now that I think about it, something interesting I've noticed. Whenever villains in Star Wars are robotically focused, they are defeated by non-robotics. But whenever heroes use robotics in Star Wars, they are always successful. Think about Luke Skywalker with his mechanical hand. Or even now Fennec Shand with her mechanical guts those instances of transhumanism are positive, whereas on the dark side with Darth Vader, his transhumanism is seen as a cautionary tale. The juxtaposition of that is very interesting. It's kind of a mixed message with multiple layers. Something else we have seen before in Star Wars media is the concept of overcoming great odds to defeat evil, and also the inherent duty and honor involved with that. Din and the Mandalorian, chose not to leave ...when the chips were stacked against Boba's crew... ...and he was willing to die fighting for a cause he believed in... ...and with people he believed in. How many people in our world can say the same? Or better than that, how many people in our world... ...are actually able to follow through... ...on saying that they would die for a cause? This episode also shows the fallout of Boba's handshake deal he had... ...with the other crime families on Tatooine... ...midway through the season. Quick recap, Boba had a loose deal with the other crime families that they would not interfere with his battle versus the pike syndicate the syndicate that was slowly exerting their influence over the planet now this agreement was ill-fated as all those other families joined up with the pikes in the end this goes to show as always you should never have illusion of honesty amongst thieves and amongst criminals just think about people who believe that the government and big pharma have our best interests in mind when they are some of the most dangerous criminals out there People think that by aligning with the objectives of these organizations and by following the CDC rules and guidelines and taking all the required injections, that these organizations will reward them with more freedom or more safety, which is obviously not the case. It's like making a deal with someone who has their fingers crossed behind their backs while giving you a handshake with the other hand. It's not an even deal. It's one sided. Last note on this episode, which ironically is about one of the first scenes in the episode, we see R2-D2 bringing Baby Yoda back to Den, as Baby Yoda has made the decision to forego his Jedi training in lieu of being back with his father figure, Din in the Mandalorian. Now Luke did not come along on this mission, as likely he was planning out his next moves to start the Jedi Academy after losing its first student. The absence of Luke in this episode is interesting, do you think he felt disdain for Baby Yoda when he chose to leave? Or did he not want to return to his home planet? You would have thought that he would have wanted to personally return him, as he knew how important Baby Yoda was and could be to the galaxy at large. I'm also wondering if Luke is now having second thoughts about the dogma he was using to teach this young one. I mean, did he not really learn the lesson about the failures of the old Jedi Order? Perhaps we will come to the realization that attachment to others is not a disqualifier from Jedi training as his attachment to his father was what saved the galaxy just a few years before this. But also I've thought about it this way, perhaps we as an audience thought that Luke learned a lesson that maybe he did not really internalize the same way. Hopefully we'll find out more and more about Luke as the future series build on his post-original trilogy presence. Overall I really enjoyed this series but it did seem a bit disjointed and out of place at times. It had multiple storylines running through that didn't all seem to pay off or be totally fleshed out. But if I had to compare it to the sequel trilogy, it was a flawless performance. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. May the Force be with you. I'll be back with more of these Monday recaps for future shows coming out this year like Kenobi and Andor and The Bad Batch. But in the absence of new shows like these, I will still be putting out weekly content on all the parallels between Star Wars and our world, as in my mind the analogies are never ending due to the vastness of this universe. Take care and God bless. God bless. God bless. God bless.